Hello and thank you for listening to 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is the Decade of Decadence show for July 2020, sponsored as always by Dean of the Dead Hot Horror Sources, of which, Tom, we've got a little bit to talk about because we have both got the American Werewolf in London source from him. Yes, brand new. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It's very good, isn't it? Because <laughs> I'm used to the Exorcist. That's my favourite of his, but that's the hottest one. Yeah. So, of course, so the Exorcist is rated at five chillies. This American werewolf in London is rated at three, I think I'm right in saying. Yep. And, uh, oh, yeah, it is so, so good. And I will point out as well, because we do sponsorship differently here, uh, we both paid for them. They weren't given to us. We paid for them. We support our sponsors and... Uh, and buy from them because we, you know, we love the products. So, uh, well, actually, when I say we, Tina bought mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she got me a T-shirt. She got me my favourite T-shirt that he's done so far. Yes, because 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 someone's, someone's had a bir- another one, another birthday. I know. I'm racking them up. Good time now, mate. It's far too many, far too many behind me, and not enough in front of me. That's the trouble. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it was nice. Some hot sauce and a T-shirt from Dean of the Dead. That was that was Excellent. lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, all the details for Dean will be on the website. Uh, as I speak, he's I think it was today he went on holiday. So uh, yeah, follow his Instagram and you'll see all holiday pictures. Um, he's rented what Tina thought he was in a boat because he's he's wearing a jaunty sailor's hat. And Tina thought I think fantasized actually. That he was a sailor on a boat, and he's not. He's got uh, this sailor's hat on, and he's got a motorhome, and they're camping somewhere. So, uh, yeah, much beer being drunk. So, uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, and if Dean's listening to it, have a good holiday, Dean. And, yeah. um, well, before we get on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, mate, uh, I just want to go back to the June shows, which was, of course, Stuart Chapin month. Um, yes. The two shows that we released, talked about Shotgun, re-released our interview show with Stuart. I just want to read out, and we had some great feedback from that, people discovering Shotgun, uh, which is amazing all these years later. Uh, I want to give a shout out to at Postman Gav on Twitter, who tweeted us. Uh, He listened to both the shows and he put, what an amazing guy. Must have been a privilege to call Stuart a friend. You'll be pleased to know I've just paid £1.89 for a copy of Shotgun from eBay. I'm going to sit down Saturday night and watch it and raise a glass to Stuart. So uh, thanks, Gav. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the beer. And more people uh, are now going to shout, Jones! So, yeah. All is good in the world. <laughs> more people are now aware of Bashers and Kinkos. It's it's the world is a better place just for that £1.89 spent on eBay. So, uh, yeah, you know what to do, folks. Just buy it. It's as simple as that. Just buy, just buy it. Yep. That's by it. Um, it is related stuff. I think we've got some between us, haven't we? We certainly do. Yeah. Go on, mate. Do you want to kick it off in this this episode? Well, I first of all, I paid a lot of money recently. Well, for a lot of things because of, of life not really existing, <laughs> social life not really existing at the moment. Yeah. You know that doesn't mean I'm not spending money on stuff. <laughs> And I bought um, a limited edition Blu-ray of a film that you'd never seen and I'd never seen. And I bought it completely blind. Ooh. Called Rad. I cannot believe 
I'd never heard of it, mate. I mean, a lot of the films I've never seen, obviously, but to not have even heard of it was... Now, I don't know how it came out over here. Like, was it in the cinema? Was it on VHS? I know for a fact it wasn't the last home release of this film, Anywhere in the World, was on VHS. Oh, my God. The rights to it are just everywhere, like to the point where this Blu-ray, which was released by Vinegar Syndrome, like... In a way, I don't really know why I'm talking about it because it's gone and it ain't coming back because the, the, the rights were such that they would only allow it to be released on Blu-ray in a very limited run. Wow, you've that got... It's gone. That's, that's so, a rarity, mate, that you've got there. Uh, I don't know, you know, there are the means of watching the film itself. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's, it's all I wanted from a film called Rad. It's about skateboarding and holding on to your dreams. There's three <laughs> John Farnham songs on the soundtrack. Oh, my God. Um, and as a Rocky um, reference for you, Dave, Talia Shire's in it playing the mum. Nice. Um, so there's a scene that would be like a climactic... Stop skateboarding. It's BMXing, I'm sorry. Um, I thought of that. Um, at the climactic BMX... <laughs> race there's her in the crowd looking nervous and anxious i was just like ah this this looks familiar oh yes <laughs> so uh but no it was a, a worthwhile purchase Is as it? were oh go on i think these were 80s and also into the 90s but i bought myself a pair of zubas now you're going to have to explain that because you say zubas to me and well i did see a photograph so i know what you mean but if i hadn't seen the photograph i would not have a clue I think American listeners will know what they are generally because they're quite big. Um, they're big. I know they were advertised by wrestlers in the 80s and then I think they were advertised by NFL players in the 90s and they've sort of made a comeback. So I think they're, it's like people know what they are, would know what they are more, but they are lounge pants okay. and they are colourful <laughs> lounge pants and they are comfortable. Well, that's, yeah, comfort. Oh, comfort on them. <laughs> there seems to be, not to put too fine a point on it, a lot of ballroom in them, Tom. I mean, it's all about how, you know, it's got a string. So it's all, it's all down to how tight you pull. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it always? That could cover a lot uh, of things. I mean, yeah, there's a lot. It, I went for medium. They're slightly baggy. If I went for a small, I think there'd be a bit more... It'd be tighter, but you know, you want comfort, exactly. so you go back here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and they are like I was. I, I put them on. I was just like, man, the plane journeys, long haul plane journeys I've taken that would have just been like, <laughs> just, oh, wearing these just so would have been so much more relaxing. Like instead of wearing jeans or jogging bottoms, like just normal jogging bottoms, they're, they're fine. Yeah, but you know, it can be a bit tight. Yeah, yeah. These are just oh, perfect. And what? colourful colours did you go for? These are sort of like zebra-striped green, black and white. <laughs> Sounds like Kiss circa 1986. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see, um, yeah, but with spandex. <laughs> <laughs> you just need some um, lime, neon green fringed gloves to go with it. And you'd be fine. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and then get on the plane. Like that. <laughs> that would be good. 
Yeah, yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I've got to begin. Sly was on his Instagram, as he is. Um, surprise, surprise, me with some Sly news. And he was on about Rambo 5, the extended cut. I think it was coming to Apple TV and a few, yes. few other places, which I did get a, a bit excited about, obviously, uh, when he first said it. But then, as far as I know, and please correct me, anybody, if I'm wrong on this, it's just the, the extra 12 minutes is the opening flood scene that was shown in cinemas at some places across Europe, but we didn't get it here in the UK. Uh, and it's just that, and it's nothing else. And yeah. I, yeah. And I've seen that scene, and it's... It's okay, it's good, but I was kind of hoping for maybe something different. Whereas... Honestly, this is, you can't polish a turd. I don't think there's much more you can... Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's still my least favourite of the Rambo films. Yeah, yeah I think everyone would agree on that one who's yeah. seen it. I mean, it's like if you want to watch it in the UK, it's on Prime in... It's in God, it's even in, it's free to watch on Prime in 4K at the moment. Oh God, that so... didn't take long. So, uh, yeah, you can watch it on Prime, mm. and you can be the judge. Let us know what you thought. Yeah, if you watch please, it. definitely. Um, um, but but to counter that, and this is what I do want to hear you talk about, Tom. I want to hear your thoughts on this, because at the same time, he also said he was working on the director's cut of Rocky Four. Yeah. <laughs> like, I suppose lockdown has its advantages. I don't know if he'd ever get around to have, would have got around to this normally, but... Mm. Um, well, he didn't do anything. He didn't, he he directed Rocky Four, right? Didn't he? Yeah. So, uh, you got nothing to compare it to because, like, uh, I glanced up and I've got my Blu ray, The Expendables Director's Cut, which I really liked for Director's Cut of that, how they moved Mm. stuff about and the music, different music cues and stuff like that. But I don't don't know what his involvement in that was. Um, and then Rambo just strikes me as something. That was just, you know, that, that 12 minutes was just tacked on the front. So, mm. He did do I the mean, director's cut of the fourth Rambo, though, and I prefer that to the... Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, to the theatrical cut. He put a lot more um, characterization into it, and I much okay, prefer cool. the director's cut of, of the fourth one. I mean, I love the theatrical cut, but I do like what he it's did. It's interesting, with like, because you like you want to see more Rocky Four, absolutely, but then yeah. it's Rocky Four, <laughs> and you don't want it tainted... Is it, Tom? Is it just going to be one massive montage? I mean, uh, it could be. Like, my my suggestions were at the time were Don't Kill Creed, um, more Birthday Robot, <laughs> more montages, yeah, and Creed and Rocky run away together at the end. That's it. They do become a couple. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I'm good with all of that. I'd watch it. So- <laughs> Imagine Stallone had just been sitting on the footage of him and Carl Weathers going at it, hammer and tongs for about for the last 30 years, 40 years. So, no, 30 yeah. years. The infamous beach scene, as it was called. Yeah, it was After just a the, continuation yeah. of Rocky Free. They just started yeah. waves lapping over them. Sorry, Dave. Just get, can we take a minute before we carry on? Like <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm very interested to see what he does. Um, Oh, oh man, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'll watch it, but then I just hope it's good. I mean, that sounds silly and obvious, but you know, it's Rocky Four. Yeah, Don't and we all know we all know your love of Rocky Four, mate. It's the best one. And then, and, you I know, mean, and by one, I mean film ever. <laughs> it's your all-time favorite film. It's my it's my favorite film to watch. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Go on then, mate. Over to you. I'm just trying to think what else. We're recording on a different day today. Yeah. Behind, like you're behind the curtain. We were going to record on a Thursday, but apparently I sounded as if I was in a rainstorm. Um, you did, yeah. I, no idea what that was. I called you up and it did, because the first thing I wanted to say was, is it pissing down in Norwich? Because it sounded like rain hammering against the window. Only metaphorically. <laughs> As ever. <laughs> and then we did a test call the other day where oh, all I could say is, Tom, you bastard still for what you did with that <laughs> yeah. test call. Um, yeah, because um, I checked all my updates, reinstalled, uninstalled, reinstalled, installed Skype, did a Skype with a family member beforehand. And then I just, when Dave rang me to test, I just went on YouTube and got one of those calming rainstorm sounds videos playing. <laughs> So that's all I heard when I called you on the test call a few days later. And it was just in the background. I was like, no. I, was, I, was, I thought maybe the thunder rumbling might be a giveaway, but um, I got away with it. That's but right. no, I feel like I had more things and they've sort of like been lost to the days. But we'll talk about one thing, which is hmm. another thing I foolishly ordered. Oh, God, go on. It's Blu-ray box sets or takeaways. It's been what the last four months have been. Mm. Um uh screen factory in america have announced um a friday the 13th box set oh yes and i've got a friday the 13th box set on blu-ray and i was just like yeah that would have to be something pretty good looking and pretty special for me to click ordered (laughs) (laughs) this really does it looks like the definitive friday the 13th like i've ordered it from amazon canada um uh, because Screen Factory themselves weren't shipping it, or Shout Factory was their website, mm-hmm. weren't shipping to the UK. So as long as they don't oversell it, that'll yeah. be coming. It's not cheap. I mean, it's more. It's about what you know. It's probably a little less than what I thought it was going to be. So yeah, when you work it out per film, it's not. It's not that bad, really. When you look at you know all the extras that are on it too. It's yeah, just I mean amazing. the Blu-ray, the existing Blu-ray I've, I've got is one to eight, um, well up to uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, and the, the, you know there's plenty of there's ample extras, and I've mm. got the Crystal Lake Memories documentary on Blu-ray as well. So, yeah. God, just that that's eight hours long. I'm covered for for um, Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> docs, but um, there's even more been announced and more to be announced on this one um but obviously it's got jace goes to hell and there's an unrated cut of that on the blu-ray which a lot of people have been wanting for a long time so yeah yeah. um jason x which is a film i enjoy more and more every time i watch Mm -hmm. hated it the first time and then uh, then i i think i'd uh, i think at that point i hadn't seen enough bad films and then i understood what they were doing (laughs) and then Freddy versus Jason, which kind of ticks the other way, where I I don't hate it, I still enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it as much as I did when I first saw it. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, the same. Um, and then even the remake, uh, well, we're, it's hard to categorise that film, the 2010 one, because it wasn't quite a remake. Mm, it's been a because it's all, it, it got him into the, the hockey mask within half an hour. Yeah. But I thought it was fine. I haven't seen it since, so... Yeah, cool. But yeah, it's it's big, and it's coming in October, and I will be too. <laughs> yeah, so a Halloween month 
rewatch of all the Friday the Thirteenth yeah. films. Well, maybe not. It comes out in America um, over America, Canada on October Thirteenth, and it's got to make its way over to me. So mm. it'll probably be November by the time I get yeah. it. So late Halloween. Yeah, why not? Something to look but forward to. I'll have to order the Dead Box set as well from Second Sight to Plough Through in October. Yeah, I pre-ordered that too. Had to. And a Razorhead on Criterion. Cut last in the UK, so yeah, yeah. I've not seen that in a long time. I just remember not enjoying it when I watched. Yeah, it. yeah, you, yeah, you, you and David Lynch films. Um, mm, we don't get on really. No, apart from Wild at Heart, that's my favourite one of his. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Mm, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I do like that one. Uh, well, as I, always, I, 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 do have, I do have another thing. Oh, go on then. I can't remember what it was. Oh, have you got anything else? I do. I'm, good, I'm, I'm a bringer of of joy and laughter with some more death news. Like last month, of course. Uh, shouldn't laugh, really. We're going to talk about death, for God's sake. Uh, Kelly Preston, aged mm. only 57. Uh, wow. Uh, of course, people now married to John Travolta since 1991. Uh, one of those long-term marriages that you don't see a lot of in Hollywood. Um, 80s output, the two that stood up, stand out for me, Christine and Twins. The two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Christine being my favourite of those two. Mm. I don't know about you, which... Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, with me and twins, so... Uh... <laughs> like, I want to like it, but there's something about twins now I just can't sort of get on with. Mm. And then just a few days ago from when we sat here recording, we lost John Saxon. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. He was at God. 84. I was looking on IMDb, and he's got 198 actor credits on IMDb, which is crazy. started in the 1950s, and... Um, I think my first main memory of him was watching Enter the Dragon many, Ooh. many years ago. But if I had to pick an 80s film of his that's my favourite, it will always be Cannibal Apocalypse. can't even say it. It will always be the film I can't pronounce. Cannibal Apocalypse. I love that film. Well, it was a good choice. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think the first thing I saw him in was Elm Street. The first Elm Street. Mm. And then... Um, but no, like, and if you want a sort of off the beaten track choice, um, Nightmare Beach, yeah, is a film. It's not great, but it's a lot of fun. So, and you saw him was yesterday, was it? You were watching him? Yeah. Well, as it turned out, I watched two films with him, and I was going through the uh, Clint Eastwood box set. I normally got, and I was up to Joe Kidd, and he's in that. Mm-hmm. So it was like accidental watch, and then I watched. Oh God, what was it called? <laughs> God. The Prison- something of the something something. Prisoners of the Lost Universe. Was yeah, that? I found that close enough. Yeah, something like uh, that. That that's on Prime as well as Nightmare Beach. By the way, is on Prime in the UK. Well worth checking out. Um, yeah, this was it was like one of those sort of films where it's just set. You know, they're just running around a park and they're wearing rags. You know what I feel about those sort of films. Like some, yeah, some are good, but like basically people in present day fall into a like a alternate universe thing and end up in an alternate reality. They've got some technology, but anyway, John Saxon's a bad guy. He's having a right laugh as a bad guy. <laughs> and it's also got the tallest dwarf I've ever seen in the film. That was hilarious, the WhatsApp messages you were sending me, all to do yeah, with he's breaking not, down. Uh, Does he classify as somebody of, of smaller stature or like not? He's shorter than Richard Hatch, okay. who's in the film, and, but he isn't like dwarf proportioned. You know, he's got... You know, he hasn't... Oh, God. <laughs> are, we, are we even allowed to say that? 
D word you know, anymore. Some of them a bit. Oh god. <laughs> uh, some of them a bit stumpy. <laughs> you know, like dwarfism. Dwarfism. It's a thing there. It there. is. Not 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 stumpy dwarfism. And he, you know, he's, he isn't. He doesn't appear to be suffering from dwarfism, and he looks. He's just under Richard Hatch's shoulder if he stood stood together. And I'm just like, mm. oh yeah. But he was in like he was in a Harry Potter film. And he was in the Santa Claus movie, and he was in Hawk for Slayer, all as small people. Right. So, so yeah, maybe just just about qualifies as a very tall one. I don't maybe, know. He's a, maybe he's a fraud. I don't know. <laughs> he is. Maybe he's maybe he's about six foot. And he's just walking around on his knees. We don't know. <laughs> Could be. We've outed him. <laughs> um, I have got um, a YouTube channel. I'm going to talk about this more in depth in the June, July entertainment show. But because there's a lot of 80s related stuff on it, I do want to mention it here, Tom, and it, it is absolutely amazing. The YouTube channel is called Reshoots, and it's one of these channels that looks back at past films. And it's one of those, um, this is where they filmed so-and-so, and here it is now. And oh, nice. There's a lot of those on YouTube. I've seen too many of them, probably. But most of them are just photographs, and there's a few that are films and everything. The really good thing about this channel, Reshoots, is they replicate different shots from the films. So okay. say there's a, a tracking shot from whatever, they'll replicate the shot, the, the camera movement in that exact place. And there's only, there's only 17,000 people subscribed to it, which is ludicrously low, I think, for a channel like this. And there's 48 videos on there. And all the videos, only like 10 minutes. So it's like, oh, having a cup of tea. I'll watch one of those. Some of the 80s related films that were on here include Terminator, all three Back to the Future films, The Goonies, Breaking and Breaking 2, Tom. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, Bloody Birthday, Better Off Dead, Teen Wolf, Blade Runner, which was really interesting. Um, because I thought, hey, most of that, surely it was all just green screens. They're, what's real in that? And that was an interesting to watch. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And so it goes on. But the way that it's presented in them copying the camera moves and everything is that really makes it for me really, really interesting. Oh, cool. Mm, yeah. Reshoots, everybody. YouTube. Subscribe. Nice. Nice, mm. nice. Uh, and, and that's me. For... Okay. I remembered. Well done. It's just a lot of film excitement going on now. Um, obviously, in the UK, cinemas are reopening. And I don't know if you even saw this, Dave. It's just came out um, about an hour ago, an hour or two ago, about um, Tenet is being released in the UK on Bank Holiday Weekend. Bloody hell. And it's being released in a lot of countries, not China, <laughs> but a lot of countries that weekend. And um, it's being released in select theatres in America on September the 3rd. And, I mean, we don't go on about the new C word, but, mm. I mean, that's going to when you say select cinemas, that's going to be fucking select. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think it's opening up the... I think this will open up the gates for... Because, um, like, recently, 80s-related, Bill & Ted. Yeah. Bill & Ted Face the Music. Um, was announced that it was, I think, possibly the same kind of weekend in America, the first weekend, September 1st to the 3rd, uh, um, 
select theatres, uh, but it was going on VOD. Ah, and, it, okay. and, it, and it mentioned international release announcements will come. Um, Odeon, um, Cineworld, Twitter, they've been still tweeting, new, they've been tweeting out the new trailers. I saw, I don't know who tweeted it or where, I, saw, I guess it was Twitter, but, but the cinema in Australia said it was coming soon to theatres. So, like, that's, we're getting that. Like, as a proper theatrical release, I've got a feeling Mulan might go the same way. Now Tenet's, you know, like now Tenet has the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. I think we're actually, for a while, we'll be getting, you know, international audiences will be getting these films first, which it has to happen, doesn't it? It's got to at some point. And with like, Christopher Nolan just... as well, it's, he, if I think of all directors, if I'm going to watch a film in IMAX, it's got to be Christopher Nolan film. The amount of people who are just like, oh, just put it on VOD. I'm just like, a Christopher Nolan film. You want the big spectacle for him. Yeah. Um, and a lot of his, well, I'd say all of his, sound is such an important oh part. Oh, my God, yeah. And he really just blasts out the soundtracks on those. Imagine VOD and there's somebody sat there and they're streaming it on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, like, I know my sound bar's all right, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to replicate an IMAX yeah, cinema. No, it's, um, it's, an, it's an interesting time, but um, I'm glad international cinemas are going to finally get the shot in the arm they need and have an actual big... I mean, like, on Friday coming up with the new Russell Crowe film, Unhinged, is out in UK cinemas. Mm. And, I mean, that's, an, you know, an A-lister in a new film. That's good. So I'm, I'm glad this is happening yeah. at last because cinemas need it. They do, yeah. I mean, you've, you've been a few times, and, of course, during this time the smaller independent film has had chance to get their, yeah, their um, work out on the screen. So you've you've seen a few of those, haven't you, that normally wouldn't probably have been in the, the big multiplexes at least. No, no. I saw one first one. My first one back was called St. Francis, which I've vaguely, and it's hard to remember before all of this, I vaguely remember hearing about it and it was coming out. I think it was going to come out at cinemas, but like... Um, Obviously didn't, and uh, so I don't know if it was sort of a holdover. Um, but no, that was really good, like an independent, like comedy drama. That was really good. You know, a lot of people probably saw that who never were going to. Um, likewise, independent but very different. Um, dark water, I think, oh, or black yeah. water. Yeah, no, black water. Dark water is for Mark Ruffalo film. Yeah. Blackwater, I think it's a sequel. Anyway, it's a killer crocodile film. <laughs> and it's the sort of thing that would have just gone straight to DVD. Yeah. You know, it would have been five quid in the supermarkets and HMV, you know, from me off. But they put it in cinemas. I made the, and um, I went looked on Box Office Mojo, and its first weekend, it made £43,000. <laughs> and like, when you look at how much films used to make in this, you know, before this used to make in the cinema, it's peanuts. But like, that's more than that film would ever make. Yeah, at least uh, got 3K, that's a, that's a good going. So, I mean, yeah. it wasn't very good. But, <laughs> but and hey, other than that, I've just yeah. been I've just been watching old films, Goodfellas, Donnie Darko, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of rewatches. We went through the first four Alien films. Um, oh gosh, and we've been we've been going through. Well, at the moment, we're on a rewatch of disaster movies. Yes, I've I've, I've noticed. Yes, yeah, so we've done a couple of the airport films. Yeah, they're good films to watch. In, I don't know why, but disaster movies are good films to watch in the summer. They are. They suit the summer, I think. 
And I think it's seventies disaster movies. I know this is an eighties show, but seventies. Yeah, disaster oh yeah, movies yeah. That time when they've got all these sort of faded stars. Yeah, doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. It's good. There's good stuff to watch. Mm. You know, in the summer. Yeah. Well, I'm out. That's um, it for for me for eighties related stuff, mate. Have Have you got anything? I was just going to mention. Um, obviously, uh, myself and Chris Howard normally. Well, yeah, I guess I say normally now. It's been a couple of years that we go to, down for a day or for a film or such and such. Um, we do Fright Fest. Yes. Um, obviously, with everything, air quotes, everything. That's not happening in uh, Leicester Square this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, technically it is. They're hoping to do the Halloween one over a couple of days in October in, in person. But it's going to be a online bank holiday weekend one. Um, and passes go on sale for that. And... Uh, all being well, I'll be going to Chris's uh, for a few days, and we are going to sit there and watch twenty-five movies <laughs> <laughs> over the course of three or four hour long it takes, three or four days. Well, me and Tina are going to be doing quite the same because Grimfest are doing the same. Yes, yeah, I've been covering it since twenty sixteen was the first time that I went, and there's reviews, of course, on the website for every year. Uh, and I love it is my favourite festival out of all the live events that we cover. Grimfest is my favourite. And they've gone online, and that's in um, yeah. October. And that's, I think that's 24 films and two big short movie um, showcases as well, yeah. as well as Q&As and all that that I think everybody's doing. I think it's great. So we're, yeah, yeah much like you, mate, we're, we're going to be sat for about four days watching yeah. watching horror films. And we get to see all the films. Yeah, which is always we get good. To be um, mm. And we also, we get to support them, which is the main thing, you know, like if we don't, you know, if you don't do, you know, if we, people don't support Fright Fest and Grim Fest by buying these passes and seeing, God, even watching the individual, like, yeah, obviously it's a lot to spend four days over August bank holiday weekend just watching 25 odd <laughs> horror films. It's a lot. It's a commitment. But even if, you know, even just, you can't, you will be able to rent them, rent them, I guess. You watch them, individually yeah. you know or singly or day, i don't know if they're doing day pass but you know you can still watch them individually so you know it's important to support these festivals as they can keep happening it is yeah it's really important to support them because you know, like you said with everything that's going on um they've had obviously they've taken the right decision not going to host them mm. you know and have crowds of people there so this is this is the only other way that you can do it you know and thankfully we live in an age where it can be done yeah you know, yeah go back really not too far you know i go and they couldn't have done it. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. And who knows what would have happened. So. Yeah, so that's all good. Right, that, that's me done. It's me too. So I guess it's that time. Uh, we'll just take a break for a minute and we're going to come back with your first time watch pick. I want to go down to Central. Yeah, his real name is Francois Jacquin, but everyone knows him as the Marseillais. Is he in cigarettes? No, he's not cigarettes, he's drunk. What do you want? For organizations to join forces? No, I say no. Oh, my God. 
Right, my first time watch pick this month was Contraband, which is a 1980s crime, Italian crime film. It's also, that can be called a Poliziotti movie. David, I pronounce that right. (laughs) Don't ask me. Poliziotteschi, Poliziotteschi. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, film directed by the great Lucio Fulci, which is why I chose it. We spoke last time about screening the picks. We did indeed. Because these first-time watches have sort of kind of at times descended into boredom. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, unfair to say. Like, we pick for one, you know, I, you know, not just you, Dave. I've done it before. We've picked it. Like, oh, that's got a cool yeah. post. And we pick it and we don't look on IMDb and we don't look on Letterboxd and then we're just like bored rigid. Yeah, then we've got to talk about it. We talk for about seven or eight minutes and that's dragging it out sometimes. <laughs> So I was just like, right, it's directed by Lucio Fulci and it's in 1980, the same year he directed City of the Living Dead, two years before he directed The Beyond, or, or a year, I can't remember which year Beyond came out, but, you know, look, Fulci in his prime, directing a crime movie. Mm-hmm. It's like on IMDb, I believe it's a 6.8 or a 6.6. Wow. Which is, for for us, that's high. Very very high. I don't have one of the highest, possibly. Yeah, I'd say so. A 6.6. And on Letterboxd, it's like a 3.6 or 3.8, which is out of five. So I'm like, okay, lots of four or five star reviews on Letterboxd. Lucio Fortune is prime. Mm-hmm. Doing something different. Let's do it. Yes. Contraband. And we have very differing opinions on contraband. <laughs> we do indeed. So, um. like... <laughs> Story-wise, it's nothing special. Um, I think it's safe to say. Um, it's just a crime, you know, like it's contraband, you know, like mob bosses, um, you know, smuggling, all that sort of stuff. But, so yeah, from like up, you from a plot point of view, I think it's very safe to say you've seen this all before. Yeah, there's nothing new. Yeah, and I will happily say that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is different about this particular one is, of course, Lucio Fulci directs it, which means <laughs> there is some fucked up shit in this. Film. He just can't help himself, can he? <laughs> but, so, like, where do you stand on Lucio Fulci films? I don't think we've ever had this discussion. So, like, do you? Do, I must, you must have sort of kind of known what you you were going to get. Oh yeah, you... yeah. I mean, I love Fulci films. I've been going back to the early days of uh, of DVD. I bought the Beyond. Remembering the old, oh, it was oh, was it Blue Underground who released the tins? Remember those big sort of yeah, like biscuit yeah. tin? I bought the tin of um, the Beyond. Um, yeah, the Gates of Hell and so on. The Fulci's. Yeah, I grew up watching. You know. And buying the old fourth generation uncut VHS of his films and seeking those out and cheering and watching them. And he's, you know, he's not the best director in the world, but you know what you're going to get with a Fulci film. And that's what you pay for. And he, he doesn't disappoint with, like, the, you know, you're going to get gore no matter what he's filming. I'm sure if he filmed I don't know, an episode of EastEnders, there would 
Phil Mitchell would go mad with a shotgun and blow people's stomachs out. Something like that would happen <laughs> if, if he did that, because that's what he does. Like I said, he just can't help himself. Well, there's there is plenty of that in contraband and honestly like you'll say what you have to say about it but the violence and the not just violence but just the ott nature of it just the fucked upness of it got me through it <laughs> and i was just like hooting and hollering at every exploding neck and well maybe not the rape bits but <laughs> <laughs> Also hooting and hollering through yeah. that, but you know, like the gore, like, oh, what does he do to that guy? The guy's body, what does he throw him in? Oh, it's like, um, is it some meat, <coughs> excuse me, meat mashing thing? Yeah, it'll, you know, fucks it. And the blowtorch to her face. I'm just like, fuck, yeah, this is this is Lucio Fulci doing a crime film, and I'm here for it. <laughs> But I, I will assume, Dave, that that wasn't enough for you. No, me and Tina definitely brought the average score down on Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> because I gave it a one and she gave it half. So I think between us, yeah, we just tickled the score down just, just a tiny little bit. The The worst thing I can say about it, really, and this is this is damning, and we've said this before with films that we've gone, oh, God. You know, when you look at the clock and there's still half of the film to go. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Every film you've picked. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was. And it was halfway through. I think it was more or less to the minute halfway through before the gore kicked in. Yeah, and, it, it, it's a while before. Yeah. and it, I think the, um, the, what was it? The, what was it? I can't remember. Was it like a sulfur pit? Was that the first bit? I can't remember. Where, where his body, like the guy's remember. body's all fucked up. It looks like it, like the, the, the effect, the practical effect looks like he's frozen, but it's not frozen. Yeah. But um, that's sort of where, yeah, and it is about 35, 40 minutes in that, that, yeah. fight, that but then it, we're sort of. It lost us both by then. That's the trouble. It was so boring. Yeah, it was, it's not, oh. as I say, like plot wise, there's nothing to it. I've, my uh, letterbox score was three and a half because, you know, you've seen this film before, although you've not seen thought she'd do it but um but no once once that the violence kicked in i was i was with it and you know we literally were off to the races because one of the most famous scenes in it is a man getting his bl brains blown out at a horse race and man he gets his brains blown out at that horse race isn't that the cover image yeah the cover yeah. image on um i think it's for shameless release i think shameless have quite a few um, of their titles up on amazon prime I and noticed, yeah, yeah the, uh, there seem to be loads of shameless titles up on amazon for for free to watch you know it's not yeah um the illust although it's not the like it's not the print i guess because mm. this was like full screen yeah i'm assuming shameless would have like redone it a bit but um yeah like the illustration on the um front of the uh case and the prime graphic is yeah. the man getting his brains blown out see this is what i was holding out for because both me and tina you know are aware of fulci and we know what he does i enjoy fulci more than tina does but we mm. knew that gore was going to come so it gets to halfway point and it's just been like a boring story where i don't give a damn what any of the characters what happens to them but again even with the gore there's like a handful of gore scenes and they disappointed me for 
for a faulty film. And there's a, that, like you said, that one where the guy gets the, the race, uh, the horse racing one where he gets shot in the mouth and the back of his head blows out. That's probably the best one of the lot. And there's a half decent, um, I think it's like a shotgun to the stomach. But yeah. some of the other ones, they're, you know, they come nowhere near like the Beyond, for example, which has got I some mean, amazing effects. So even with the gore, it was like, that's good. But I mean, it's, it comes down to genre a bit, doesn't it? Because hmm. you can only do, you know, you can't go. You know, this was this is horror movie levels of gore. You know, like I really liked the neck being blown out as well. Um, the guy getting shot in the neck, I really like that yeah. bit. But I guess maybe there's only so far you can go with. Like, maybe so, yeah, maybe it's so. It's not a horror film, so maybe I don't know. Maybe he was dialing it back a little bit because he wasn't making horror film. He didn't dial it back on that rape scene, though, did he? Oh my god! I mean, you can, yeah. Unfortunately, rape scenes you can have them in any kind of film. He oh, well, apart yeah. from like. Family films, but um, it's not going to be the latest Disney one. Mulan no. live—that's why it's not come to the cinema. They're deciding whether to keep the rape scene. They'll in just take the rape scene out. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. But yeah, this was—you know—they could have made it clear that the guy was going to rape her from a different hole than usual. When he just Oof. said, "Turn her over, let's do this whatever way," and it's clear what's going to happen. But the way that he kept going to this extreme close-up. Yeah, of this woman's yeah. backside and her legs being spread. It's and then a sleazy again, watch oh, as well. Yeah, that not just was, that. It's just that generally really one sleazy. of those sort of like... It's a for you, you know, like, especially when it comes to, like, um, sexual violence with these Italian crime films, you do feel like you need a shower afterwards. Yeah, and that's definitely. not just a faulty thing. That's just a... Yeah. They're just a bit grimy. Oh, they're really grimy. There's a scene in a disco. And actually, here's a thing that Amazon should have done and they've not done. Thankfully... I don't get epileptic fits, but there's a scene in a disco with strobe lighting that goes on for such a long time. Normally, I thought it was the law. Am I right or wrong that if there's strobe scenes, there has to be a warning at the beginning? Yeah, like I believe Netflix do that. This has mm. got you know strobe effects. One of them does. One of the yeah. well, obviously it can't be Amazon because yeah, they um, didn't do they this. Didn't it, but... And even I, and I don't you know suffer from like I said from epileptic fits or anything. It was giving me a headache towards the end. I was like, for fuck's sake, stop with the strobe lights. And it was. I think they did it because people are dancing. Obviously, it's in a disco. And then there was this quick shot and the lights on and looking up this woman's dress. I thought, and we both looked at me and Tina looked at each other and said, was that her fanny you just saw then? And she got like no knickers on. And then it like different shots was, oh, okay, so there's a woman's ass, there's a woman's tits as it kept going through all this strobe lighting, yeah. which, took, which took us by surprise. Um, the, the kid in it, and I think he first appears in that horse racing scene, why did they pick some, some kid who'd got the most annoying voice ever? Oh, as soon as he started talking. Because he was talking like this all the way through. They and you always were thinking, do that in Italian films. Oh, my that time, God. It was terrible. It was grating on it, you. Was it? I don't know if it was a Beyond, but there's. Oh, it might have been an Argento one, one of the famous Argento ones. There's a kid where he's got a bow haircut and it, the dubbing <laughs> kid. Oh, my oh, God. I wouldn't have minded if the story had gone that the kid got the gun in his mouth and the back of his head was blown off. That, I thought at least he's not going to talk anymore. That, that'll be what positive did you for think? it. What did you think of a song at the disco? Oh, the song, I'll give the song at the disco had me laughing. <laughs> had me laughing. The rest of the soundtrack, oh, I did not like it. It was so repetitive. 
And again, song, grating. It was another thing to go with the kid's voice that was just like so grating with it. But yeah, the song at the disco, mate, I'll give you that one. I will give you that. <laughs> what a banger. <laughs> that should be that should be in the charts now. It needs to it needs to make a comeback. Uh, but there was a, there was little things here and there where the woman reaches into her knickers and pulls out what looked like a vibrator that had been inserted into her that was full of drugs that she undid and it got drugs in it. Never seen that before in the film, so it was a bit different. <laughs> there was there was little bits here and there, but I think because we got to the halfway point and and we checked out, it was oh yeah, can it finish now? And looking at the clock every five ten minutes is not is never a good sign, is it? You know, we've said before with about previous films when you're constantly looking at the clock and going oh, there's another thirty minutes still to go, it's it's not good. Unfortunately, it's um, yeah, it's not a Fulci film that I would want to revisit. Unlike many of his others. So after all this, we've made the new rule. I go and find something that's well reviewed, <laughs> and you absolutely hated it. Unbelievable, isn't it? Because I looked. Not that it was well, well reviewed. Like if it had said, "Oh, it's so bad, it's good," you know, I would have chosen hmm. it. But. No, but it had it, it legitimately got like really good reviews and you know yeah. four stars and above. Yeah, people like it way more than I do. Like I enjoyed yeah. it, but obviously it's nothing. But there was so many the, uh, After, violence. Yeah. And the... There's a lot of people going on about the soundtrack. Now this is like the most wonderful soundtrack. And I was thinking it is awful. So it just you know it just shows, doesn't it? It's with with all art forms really. It's, it's not everybody's got the same tastes. So. So I guess the question is, Dave, <laughs> yes. would you watch it again? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I would never watch this again, unfortunately. I did not like it at all. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, well, I yeah. would. Mm. Well, that's good. It makes a change. I mean, so for, for our, Because normally, I mean, we have disagreed, or, well, not disagreed, had had difference of views with films but i think this is one for a long time where it's been so different hasn't it yeah no i mean it's not amazing but and if it wasn't for the gore of violence and the fortuneness of it all it would just be another one another dull italian crime movie but the yeah it won me over with just the insane gore (laughs) so yeah if it if ever a cut version comes out, don't don't watch that. Yuck. Yeah, the PG version. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if the BBFC back in the day getting the hands on this, which I'm sure they did. Imagine all that would have been cut out of it, wouldn't it? I bet in the original release. Oh god, yeah. Probably yeah, yeah wouldn't have even wouldn't have even uh, come out, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> well, shall we uh, take another break and see if my rewatch pick fares any better with both of us? Let's. Charlie McGee is a healthy eight-year-old girl, normal in every way. Charlie, now watch what you're doing. But one. Did she do that? What are you going to do with her? I'll bring her here so you can do all your tests. And you give her to me. Charlie has the power. Do something bad, but you still love me. She can set things on fire. Something's happening in there. With just a glance. It is a power she does not want. Stick with him. Daddy, I'm scared. So am I, honey. A power she cannot control. Back up. 
and each night she prays to be just like every other child. We haven't got her yet. We'll have her. But there are those who will do everything in their power to find her, to control her, Charlie, and maybe destroy her. Charlie, come to me, Charlie. Go. You're gonna have to burn it down. I mean, burn it all down. Charlie McGee is Stephen King's Firestarter. Will she have the power to survive? And my rewatch pick was released in May 1984. And of course, it's Firestarter. It's a 6.1 on IMDb. Pretty healthy, mate. It's another one that's in the sixes. Yeah, um, that's wow. Two in one episode. Yeah. And a 2.9 on Letterboxd, which, of course, you said earlier, Tom, that's out of five. So they both average out pretty much the same on both IMDb and on Letterboxd. Uh, of course, it's based on Stephen King's 1980 novel of the same name. And plot-wise, for anybody that doesn't know, it concerns a young girl, Charlene McGee, referred to as Charlie in the film, played by Drew Barrymore, who I think was eight at the time of filming, um, was nine when it was released. And she develops pyrokinesis, or kinesis. Uh, and basically, she can set things on fire just by thinking about it. Um, and a secret government agency called The Shop seeks to capture her and control her. And we see at the beginning of the film that her parents are played by um, David Keith, who plays Andy, the dad. And this happens every bloody time I watch it. I see the crate comes up, David Keith, and then I'm looking out for him. Where is he? And it gets near the end of the film and I'm thinking, I haven't seen him yet because I keep thinking Keith David every time I watch <laughs> it. Honestly, mate, it's, you'd think by now I would have got it in my head. It's not Keith David. It's David Keith. Um, Keith. Yeah, I will remember next time I watch it. Uh, and her mum's called Vicky, played by Heather Locklear. And this is her film debut as well. Oh, nice. Mm. And so um, her parents, Charlie's parents, take place, um, take part in a paid experiment, and it's all about drug testing. Um, so it's their own fault, everything that happens, because they wanted some money and to get some drugs pumped into them. So the whole thing that happens is their fault anyway, so I have no sympathy for them, the greedy fuckers. Um, you've got Captain Hollister. He's one of the big wigs at the shop, and he, that's played by Martin Sheen. And he employs this shady character called John Rainbird to do his dirty work for him. Uh, now, I've not read the book of this. I've read quite a few Stephen King books. So I don't know if John Rainbird, Rainbird was originally a, a Native Indian, a Native American character in the book or not. Do you know that offhand? No, or? I've not read the book. I know the um, it's pretty close to the book. Okay. Uh, I don't think they would have changed the character names. No. So. so you'd think it would be. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, John Rainbird, he's played by George C. Scott. Uh, always worth watching, no matter what he's in. Um, directed by Mark L. Lester, who the film he directed before this, class of 1984, classic. The film he directed after this, Commando, classic. Um, though during the filming, like, and this is stuff that I never knew about, mate. During the filming of The Thing... Universal offered the movie to John Carpenter. Yeah. Mm. Carpenter hired Bill Lancaster. Now, Bill Lancaster did the screenplay for The Thing, and his dad is Burt Lancaster. 
uh, and keep that in mind for in a minute. So got them to so it got Bill Lancaster to adapt the novel into a screenplay. Stephen King approved of that screenplay, uh, which you can read online. You can read his. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and I'll put a link in the podcast notes for it because it's amazing reading that. It's like, oh my god, this is the guy that did the screenplay for the thing. This is the how the film could have originally been with John Carpenter directing it. So then months later, Carpenter hired a guy called Bill Phillips who did the screenplay for Christine to write another version with Richard Dreyfus in the role of the father instead of not Keith David, but David Keith. Um, but then when the thing sort of bombed at the box office, Universal thought, oh, I'm not going to give it to Carpenter because maybe he isn't so hot anymore. Uh, and they replaced him with Mark Lester. So then Lester hired a guy called Stanley Mann to write a screenplay. Um, stuff he'd previously written was either Needle, Meteor, uh, Omen 2. And that's the one, like you said, Tom, this screenplay stayed closer to the novel. Hence why, you know, it's apparently closer to the novel than the, the, the screenplay by, that Bill Phillips did. Um, Captain Hollister said he was played by Martin Sheen in the film, was originally going to be played by Burt Lancaster. Which is, oh my God, what a completely different film this would have been. Uh, and Burt Lancaster had to withdraw after having heart surgery, and that was replaced by Martin Sheen. So imagine that, mate. You've got yeah, Firestarter, we... directed by John Carpenter, screenplay by the guy who did the screenplay for The Thing, and Burt Lancaster in the role of Captain Hollister instead of Martin Sheen. I mean, it feels at times a little bit like a John Carpenter film. Mm. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, like, at points, it's just like, you know, like, just... A lot of it's like the cast. It's like the sort of cast John Carpenter might assemble, you know, like Freddie Jones and George C. Scott, not like they're veterans or anything. But it's just, you know, it, it feels, and you know, like the um, the score as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's got the Tangerine Dream score. So it's got, you know, the synthy mm-hmm. score to it. And it, just, it does sort of feel, obviously it's not, but it just sometimes has that sort of feeling of a John Carpenter. And no, I would have loved to have seen a... Oh yeah, his his version would be great, um, and I do encourage anybody that's that's got any interest to spend some time, you know, pour a cup of tea or whatever, and have a read of the screenplay, that original one, because uh, yeah, that that's the film we could have have. But um, uh, but John Carpenter did all right in the same year this came out. He did Starman, so oh, that's, yeah, fair enough. He landed on his feet all right. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole movie basically revolves around Charlie, um, a young Drew Barrymore, as we've said and her dad, Andy, on the run from this, uh, the shady people from this government agency called The Shop. And, and that's, that's it in a nutshell, is what happens to it, and just mm. the shenanigans that goes on, which culminates in this climactic scene with a lot of fire and a lot of crazy stunts. Uh, and again, this is, of course, before you know CGI took over everything. This is stuntmen really really close to a lot of real fire and big explosions and some of the stuff that goes on is like what the hell were they thinking (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 pretty bloody dangerous what they're what they're doing um there's a cracking end scene to it that's for sure um yeah yeah if you like people on fire in films and yeah i mean mean, there's no when we were talked about white lightning where the director gets in there and does does get set on fire, not on purpose. <laughs> they don't go quite go that far, 
Uh, but I'm amazed that there weren't like a shitload of injuries about it. I was reading about it. And thinking, yeah. Okay, there must have been so many injuries due to fire, but I couldn't find anything about it. Uh, th- I mean, that's a good news, by the way. I'm not disappointed. I'm not saying you're thinking, damn, nobody burned to death. It is a good thing that there was no, <laughs> no major injuries on it. Uh, I've got to say, though, we talked, uh, said George C. Scott. He he steals the film for me, mate. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, absolutely. He is, he is so good in it. And like I say, he's so good in everything. I love it. The Changeling will always be my favourite George C. Scott film. That's that's still a brilliant film. Um, oh, interesting yeah. thing about this, because his character is burnt on one side of his face, so it looks like he's, he's got all this, this prosthetic makeup on and this milky contact... Um, in, in his eyes, so his eye just looks like a zombie in one eye, apparently. And the makeup changes from shot to shot because Tina kept saying, so does, is he wearing makeup in this shot? Is he not? And then he ended up with an eye patch on and apparently he ends up with an eye patch in the second half of the film because the contact lens that he was wearing to begin with caused him to have an eye infection. No. So, so we couldn't wear it. So we had to think, you know, on the feet. Okay, well, for the rest of the movie, you can wear a eye patch and then that'll cover it up um it's it's a decent film like you said it did for me as well shades shades of john carpenter and it. it is it's a road movie it's a chase road movie without cars they're, they're just running around everywhere and um the dad andy has still got his power from all those years ago though he does spoiler lose it towards the end of the film where he can make people um you do what he thinks them to do so he can look at you and he like touches his head, doesn't he? And go, you'll, you'll do this or you'll say this. Uh, of the two powers, Tom, would you rather have Andy's where you could make people do what you want them to do? Or would you rather have Charlie's where you can just, you're in control of fire? Oh, Andy's absolutely the power yeah. of suggestions. Much more interesting. It's a lot better, isn't it? That one. Unless you set a few things on fire, it would be a bit boring, wouldn't it? So. Yeah, once you've done a couple, you know, got the barbecue a bit out of control. <laughs> For a laugh. That's... I mean, people would fear you. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, there was a, a mini series apparently followed this up as well. Oh, Fire, really? Firestarter Rekindled, released in 2002 on the Sci Fi Channel. David, confusingly. <laughs> oh, I could imagine that. That would really do me in. I wouldn't have a clue then. Uh, and as we talk, a remake is incoming from Blumhouse, who were just cranking oh. out the horror stuff and it's going to be directed by a guy called keith toms who directed a film called the vigil which is in cinemas on the 31st of july yes and that's just come out isn't it yeah yeah i i put the review up for it oh did i have i i can't even bloody remember if i've written the review you must it. have done because i read it <laughs> oh yeah i did do the review of it then. and it's okay it's okay it's not bad um so maybe it could be all right who knows um but in 2012 Stephen King himself described the film as one of the worst, one of the worst made from his books, and described it as flavourless. It's like cafeteria mashed potatoes. Oh, well, oh, I don't think so. I, I, I no. do. I do disagree. It's not the worst of his. It's not. No. no. But he, you know, he like famously doesn't like The Shining and stuff like that. So I much prefer this to The Shining, tenfold. Really, really, mate. Yeah, I would rather watch this. Any time over The Shining. I'm not oh. saying it's a better film, as in, you know, 
cinematography and, and, and direction and I everything mean, it's an about easier it, watch. Yeah, yeah, I would much I enjoy Firestarter far more than The Shining. Mm. The Shining is yeah. one of those again where I find myself just glancing at the clock after a while. <laughs> I mean, Jack Nicholson is awesome in it. You know, there's some great performances and that in it. You can't knock it for that. But as far as enjoying a film, it's you no. Know, give me Firestarter every time, which is in it's it's very silly. It's very it's got absolutely ridiculous bits in it. Hmm. Um, but there's just, I think um, there's something about it. I think with his comments there, like you just think of some of the TV movies that have been ad- adapted out of his books. You know, some of the awful ones. Yeah, yeah. This is you know, it's not the best adaptation of his books, but it's it's fun and it's decent. Yeah, kind of sticks to the book. So yeah, I mean, this thing say there's not a lot that goes on when you've got a government agency chasing a couple on the run. There's that's it. Yeah, that really is all there is to it. So and she sets a few things and people on fire, and her dad makes people do things that they don't want to do through his power. And, and and that's about it, really, which is all right. It it does remind me of those. The first time I've watched it back then on VHS, it just reminds me of that every time. And it is, it's like a proper to me afternoon mm. VHS film. That you sit down and you go, oh, yeah, okay, that was good. Nothing special. Wasn't awful. Enjoyable enough. Had a few laughs in it. Um, <laughs> and that it's that bonkers end sequence where um, Charlie just loses control. And goes crazy, yeah. goes crazy with the firepower, and and stunt men thankfully don't get killed in it. And that's uh, that's a really good way to end it. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of meat though in between. It's all it's all very vanilla, um, and it goes by. It went by fairly fast. It's not it's not a long film either. But yeah, and that's that's about it really. Is it is it one that you've watched a lot? I think this is probably my my third or fourth. Yeah, about the same, actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, we did get some feedback on Twitter about it as well. Uh, we got at Billy PTSD said, "How many hours were spent pointing fans in the face of Drew Barrymore during the filming of Firestarter?" That's the question on the tip of everyone's tongue because <laughs> whenever she's about to use her power, uh, it is as though a load of fans have been blowing on it because the hair starts flapping everywhere, doesn't it? And um, Frederick in Sweden at F Liljegren on Twitter uh, replied to that tweet and said it's comparable with a lot of the Eurovision Song Contest stage performances. (laughs) (laughs) And I read that before re-watching the film uh, and Frederick, that did make me laugh because every time (laughs) her hair started flapping, I did get uh, visions of the Eurovision Song Contest in my head. and at Adamski underscore UK, he put, I seem to remember hearing at the time that Firestarter won numerous awards for its incredible, groundbreaking stunt work, but can't find any reference to any awards. Did I make it up? Well, Adam, I looked after you tweeting that. I did look online. I couldn't find any either. And I was going through all stunt awards from that year and all sorts of stuff. I couldn't find any. All I could find was... Uh, that the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Films, USA, uh, it was nominated in two categories. It was nominee for the best horror film and also nominated for best performance by a younger actor. I couldn't find anything for stunts, though. And I thought, if anything, it should have been nominated for. Probably even one for stunt work at the end of that film. 
but now I couldn't couldn't find a thing, mate, which is which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, tell tell me a film with better stunt work from that year. I mean, yeah, I mean, it must have got some, you know, some sort of stunt awards, and it must have been reported at some point because yeah, like good grief, they go for it at the end. Oh yeah, it is absolutely crazy. It's one of those films though that I think, and very often, you know, me and remakes. Oh, why do you want to remake that? I think this is definitely where my rule comes in and don't remake the good films because the good films go and watch them. You can remake bad films, but not the so bad, the good remake the films that could have been good, but didn't quite make it. And I think this is one of those. It could, it was, it's okay, but it could have been a lot better. I wouldn't be against a remake of Firestarter. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. See who ends up writing it. Who ends up in casting in it? Yeah. So this Blumhouse yeah. one, it's just don't go the cheap CG work with it. It's you know, uh, let the stunt men earn the earn the, earn the I money. I think they will though. <laughs> yeah, I think they will. It's just you know, it's not really safe, is it? For that reason. But... Yeah. And Blumhouse have been okay. They they've been hit and miss with the stuff that I've seen yeah. from them so it's it you know it could have been in worse hands i think with the remake so we'll see what happens with that um yeah. you got anything else you want to say about it mate uh no i think um other than just really quite enjoying scenes with freddie jones martin sheen and george c scott in together yeah oh yeah yeah it's like these are very good actors yeah. doing i mean not their best work but still it's just very nice it's just sometimes it's just good to see a good nice combos it is, yeah. Martin Sheen, he's one of those actors. I love to see angry Martin Sheen. And he, yeah. he gets quite angry, angry in this a few times. So it's always it's always good to watch. Uh, yeah, so question for this one is the rewatch pick. Uh, was it worth rewatching? Uh, for me, yeah, it was. Um, say I wouldn't rave about it. Um, and I'll probably watch it again at some point in the future. But it'll be, you know, quite a while. But it was, it was definitely worth rewatching. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it, watching it again, and I will watch it again at some point. Mm. So definitely. Nice. Okay, well, we didn't do too bad with the two films this week. This week, I keep saying this week, this month. Um, well, not for me. <laughs> Sat here quite happily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you you enjoyed them both. I enjoyed one, so that's, that's not bad. <laughs> We've definitely done worse than that. Well, yeah, that's Over true. the years, haven't we? Uh, let's take another break then let's come back and we'll have the picks for the August show right then so it's me with the first time watch pick and Tom I'm going to hold my hands up I know we said we'd go to Letterboxd and look at the scores and everything but i'm just going in blind i'm just going in blind and it is even though it's from 1996 but eight is related dolph lundgren is the star of it and come on that's the you've got to give me a pass for that if that's not eight is related with dolph lundgren as the star i don't know what is factor in as well that it's directed by russell mulcahy uh, highlander in case anybody doesn't know and that's gonna be my pick silent trigger 1996. Never seen it. Well, if it's boring rubbish, 
then I will have very strong words with you. I'm sure you'll let me know. And reiterate for letterbox thing, <laughs> and the IMDb thing. Yeah. So, uh... Right, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm 97% sure I've not seen this. Mm, there's there's okay. just something niggling at me about this one, but I'm pretty sure I haven't. Okay. But um, my pick, my rewatch pick now, <laughs> it's an interesting one. It was a, it's a 2002 movie, Andrew Davis directing, mm-hmm. obviously director of The Fugitives, many action films, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger in Collateral Damage. Mm. A film that got pretty much, I mean, I think it was supposed to come out right after 9-11 and for like plot reasons, it got moved back like into 2002. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then it just sort of vanished. Um, But it's Andrew Davis, it's Arnie. I've not seen it for a long time. Was that, is it the last film that he made before he went into politics? Yeah, I think so. I think he had a cameo in that the rundown which was like 2003 2004 yeah and then that was him done for a while the oh the only thing i can remember about it is the very beginning apart from that i can't remember a thing yeah he's like a fireman so like obviously mm. firefighters 9-11 it got bumped yeah and it died a death mm. so bad reviews were they bad reviews or was it because you know, the tone of it and everything. So let's have another watch and see how it goes. Yeah, nice one, mate. Yeah, definitely worth a rewatch. Ah, uh, right then. That's that's it for this one, I guess. Um, oh, I will say as well, um, Silent Trigger. I did say it was directed by Russell Mulcahy. In August, we are going to be re-releasing our 80s Picture House interview show with Russell Mulcahy. To go yeah, along, mm, yeah, I remember having a really good time with him. He was, uh, he said he was in Australia then, wasn't he? When he we talked to him, I think. I think so. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, there or America. Either way, I just remember having a good time, uh, mm. having a chat with him. So I thought, what better time to re-release that show than in the same month as we uh, we talk about a film that I directed? Uh, hope hope we like the film that he directed. <laughs> we don't want to be slated it and then go. Oh, now we've got our chat with him. <laughs> Uh, usual housekeeping, 60 minutes with .co.uk is the website. Everything's on there. All the links to all the social media, uh, affiliate links for Amazon, ways you can spend spend money and save money on lots of different places, including insert coin clothing, where you can save 20% just by using our uh, exclusive code 60MWIC. Uh, send us an email, contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk or send us a tweet, either of those two. They're the best ways to keep in touch with us. Uh, one last thing before we go, mate, I will say uh, we've got a new sponsor and it's podcast mascot Bodhi who has the sponsor. Yes, for those of us that don't, uh, for those of you that don't follow us on our social media, Bodhi has got a sponsor, The Bark Side. Uh, again, small British independent uh, company, uh, Sarah runs it. Um, much like Dean from Dean of the Dead, has a full-time job, has a passion for what they want to do, wants to make that eventually into their, their work like Dean wants to eventually. Sarah wants uh, the bark side to become a full-time employment. Uh, the links will be, I'll put them in this episode, they're on the website as well, they're all over Twitter. Um, and it's, you know, us dogs, we all love dogs, don't we, Tom? And, of course. Yeah, and what Sarah does, she's uh, got a dog called Brutus. Brutus tests all of the things that the Barkside sell. 
Uh, everything's below recommended retail price. They are all tested. They are all very, very safe. If something does not get past the Brutus test, well, then they don't sell it. Um, so have a look. Yeah, there's some, there's some really good things on there. Support smaller British independent companies. And if you've got a dog, check out the Barkside, please. And um, even just give them a shout on Twitter. Say that we sent you there. It'd be really good. And so until August, Tom, that's it. That is it, August. We are done. Well, like I said there'll be two shows, usual show and a remastered interview show. Because <laughs> we, we do a lot of remastering on those shows, don't we? I mean, yeah, like we go in and we... Oh, everything. Five we, go through, we go through it with a fine-tooth comey audio. Five right, sound. Yeah. DTS HD master audio. Yeah. Everything is done in it. Um, yeah, just... Brand, yeah. New, brand new introduction. Um, yeah. In 4K, even in, though we're not even being filmed. We yeah, film it in 4K, we don't even release it. it yeah. And then we remaster the 4K anyway. Yeah, Just, remixed. Yeah, it's all, it's all good, so get, get yourself ready for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's and go. If, and if you think it sounds the same, it's it's your equipment. You can, to be completely honest, mate, some of those uh, early interviews, you can tell that we had very different equipment to what we've got now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah my old microsoft headset that i still have oh dear i still got it here yes it's it's by my feet as i talk that it's so raggedy now it look actually it looks it looks like charlie from firestarter <laughs> got pissed off with it because it looks like the uh the plastic in parts of it has melted i think it got clo too close to the radiator one day God. I really do. And it's like all sort of melted and gunged up. It still works. But yeah, that's what I was using way back back when. Just that. And I can't even remember the the recording software. But, well, uh, I can't really say much. You know, I know you've got your you've got your fucking desk and your and your spit guard. I'm just talking into a laptop, so <laughs> So I can't wear headsets anymore, so Yeah, you can yeah, of course. No. You, the days your headset days are gone, mate, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe I could, but not worth it. No, definitely not worth it. Definitely not. I'll just talk into the laptop. Yes. Wait, let, let us... The laptop listens. <laughs> Disappear and uh, got time for another film to fit in, I think, before bed. Yeah, I think I might do the same. Mm, very good. Right. Thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, until me and Tom are back in August, it's uh, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>